Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 50, the most rewatchable movies of all time. Chris McBrien here, along with Yancey Eaton. This is Pop Goes Your World. Yancey, before we get started, we have some big news. Would you like to to take it? Would you like to share it with everybody, what our big news is? Well, um, I mean, I think you drove this bus a little bit harder than I did, but uh, I mean, I can go ahead and mention it. So I, against my my personal like you know beliefs, I didn't think this was going to happen. Um, Chris, I think you're a little bit more optimistic than I was. Uh, we've been mentioning the last couple of episodes about the podcast awards and how we would love to get a nomination for the the finals in our Rob has a cat Rob has a podcast category just because it's really good exposure for the show. Like I said, not expecting to be named a finalist, and lo and behold, we actually did, which is which is really really like kind of crazy. It totally caught me off guard. Was not expecting it, and whenever I got that text from you, Chris, first thing in the morning, it was the very first thing I saw when I opened up my phone. Honestly, I was just so floored. I've been smiling nonstop for days just because, uh, like I said, you know, we have a small audience, but we have a loyal, like a fiercely loyal, active audience that is just, I don't know, it makes doing this really, really special. And I mean, I don't know what else to say. What, what were your takes with this when you saw the I was, final? I was shocked, <laughs> to be honest with you. I thought <laughs> it was fantastic. Uh, you know, we've been doing the show for like a year and we got a nomination, which is just wonderful. And the thing that I think is really cool about it, the big, the biggest thing that puts a smile on my face is that unlike in past years, so in past years, the podcast awards were the People's Choice Awards, and they would the, the voting would then go out to the public, and people could vote once a day, every day, leading up, you know, for like a month or whatever it was. But now right. they've changed it, and I like the fact that they've changed it because it's not a popularity contest anymore, as it is. I guess they're they're trying to find you know the, what they would consider the quote unquote the best shows, and so what they do now is they put together a panel of three hundred people, and it's made up of podcast listeners, podcasters, people in the industry, you know, esteemed people, and they put together these three hundred people, and their job over the, the course of the next month is to go through the shows and listen to all the nominees, 10 in each category, and vote on the winners. And so the panel of 300 determines the winners. So, you know, I mean, we got a one in 10 shot, you know, so it's kind of cool. So, so we have a chance. Yes. We do so, have a so chance, say, yeah, there's really a chance. wild. But exactly. So yeah. it's all good. I, I, I can't say this enough, though, not, not to cut you off, but I, can't, yeah, no. I cannot express enough like how how genuinely excited and how incredibly I don't know just thankful I am for this Chris like when you first asked me to do this podcast with you I mean it was just like a pet project that you and I had it was yep. something that we wanted to do between the two of us and we never had any lofty expectations whatever just have fun right we like, just wanted to have fun that yeah. was it yeah we just wanted to have fun and we just wanted to talk back and forth it's something you and I look forward to every single week you know we make it work with our crazy schedules and stuff and um, I, I don't want to say like we've made it or anything like that but just to have this validation from the community it, it's just so huge it really is I've been talking about this nonstop for the last couple of days and I, I'm just honestly I'm just so floored I'm so thankful the, the local paper here in Barrie came yesterday and took pictures of me and they're writing a story in the local oh, paper. My, my wife is like why do you want to be in the local paper I'm like well it's I guess it's newsworthy to them it's you know it's not a huge town or anything like that it's you know so maybe it's newsworthy right and uh, she's like oh you're just an attention whore <laughs> she's always so nice um speaking of my family i did want to get in one other thing i mentioned to you before we're, that we're watching alf the, the tv show alf where we've gone back and we're watching it with the kids and you know what i got me thinking we were watching another episode right. the other night and i and I, got, I noticed something and i just want to share this with you because i think it's something important we should talk about before we get started and 
I think there's something that the millennial generation is missing out on. So let me explain this and then you can kind of come back. So when I was a kid, and you know I like talking about the old days, you know, when I was a kid, right? I've noticed. Yeah, you know, that's the way it is. But when I was a kid, there was like a, there was a time for everything. Like everything had a place for lack of a better term. So like, for example, like, and I mean in a pop culture way. So Saturday mornings were time for cartoons. Like, if you wanted to watch mm-hmm. cartoons, you had one chance and one chance only. And that was Saturday mornings from 8 a.m. till 12 noon. And like weekday mornings were the time to watch game shows. And weekday afternoons, soap operas were on TV. And at six o'clock, the news was on. And primetime TV was always a time for families to get together and watch family oriented shows. Now, I've noticed that the millennial generation, right. you don't have this clear cut scheduling. And, and you could argue that it's a good thing because you can watch you know, what you want, when you want, right? But I'd like to argue that it's not a good thing because what's going on in my house right now made me realize this. Evenings, I think, should be a time for families to just spend some time together. And I, you know, I mean, I know watching TV is not an ideal example of quality time. I get it. But I think for a generation that grew up Mm -hmm. in front of a TV set, it'll pass for it. So what are your thoughts on that? I I agree. Um, I'm actually I've I've had a lot of uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, the last couple months because every single one of my best friends, yourself included, watches Game of Thrones, and I don't have cable, I don't have HBO Go, so I've just never watched it. I think I've seen one or two episodes. Uh, a friend of mine lent me like a DVD, and I, I gave it back to him. And so every single Sunday night, I know that everybody on Twitter and Facebook and all my friends are watching Game of Thrones, and it's like appointment viewing. They know it's on that same time. Everybody watches it together, and it's a big deal and that used to be a thing whenever i was younger you know you would watch the same shows every single night like hey i know like an episode of the simpsons is coming on on sunday night but like there's all of a sudden within the last six or seven years that is completely gone by the wayside there's no more appointment viewing at all so like to get like a group a large group of people to all care about something and be actively engaged at the same time watching the same thing i think that's i kind of wish that came back a little bit yeah the only thing that i would say uh before we move on is whatever you do if you're going to get together and have family time at night don't watch game of thrones with your kids Oh, yes. Yeah, I just thought it was like a new movie that came out with you oh, a couple man, years oh, ago. Man. So. Oh, <laughs> man. For those of you who are like dental enthusiasts. Back in 1978. It sucks. Getting a little bit too frisky with Molly Ringwald. I am a textbook nerd. There's tons of beautiful people in the world. You co-host with one. Do you see what I got to put up with every week? Okay, so we, uh, we've we been mentioning lately on the show this theme of rewatchability of movies. It, this, it keeps coming up because we keep mentioning how I'm saying to you, like, Gen X movies are, you know, imminently rewatchable because they're very simple for the most part. The movies are quite simple, very easy to, you know, you watch them over and over, easy to remember the dialogue and the quotes and everything like that. And so there's a lot of familiarity in rewatching movies. You've said before that re- there's a rewatchability quality to uh, Gen X, or sorry, to millennial films because mm-hmm. they're so complex and so many, you know, so many layers that you want to watch them over and over again, not for the familiarity, but for what new things you can get out of them with each new repeat viewing. So we keep having this theme come up about rewatchability. And so I thought it'd be a good idea if we ran down our top rewatchable films from our generations, or at least from a personal perspective. So we'll do a top five of this this week. You can kick us off with number five. We'll work our way up to number one like we always do. So do you want to start us with number five of your most rewatchable film and tell, talk a little bit about it? Okay, sure. So 
Um, number five for me, I went ahead and put this number five just because I had to list it because I talk about it every single week. And I don't want to spend a, too much, you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time harping on it just because I talk about it every single week. But The Matrix is Matrix is a fantastic film. You guys should watch it. There's a lot of storylines going on, and there are multiple uh, theories that are involved with it. Cinematography-wise, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, the characters are amazing. The kung fu is amazing. It incorporates all these different elements and different styles of music. And, and I just... I think it's just a perfect film. Okay, like I said, I'm not gonna hark on it too long because I want to talk about some of the other films. If we went by the movies that I've watched the most in my life, The Matrix would be number one. But I'm trying to spare you guys because I feel like a broken record repeating the same movies over and over again. Um, so I'm just gonna leave this here. I'm gonna sit it nicely at number five, and then we'll we'll kind of move on. So that's my number five is The Matrix. Okay, number five for me, a movie that I have watched over and over and over so many times. I don't even know how many times I've seen it. It came out originally in 1981. I was 11 at the time. It was an R-rated comedy. So I couldn't go to the movies to see it, but it did come on the movie network shortly thereafter. And I remember sneaking downstairs and putting it on because I heard all about this movie and it's stripes with Bill Murray. So I would sneak downstairs and I put it on and I was just blown away. It just, I, I just loved it so much. And I would watch it over and over again on the movie network. And then once I got a little bit older and moved out, I was able to get it on VHS and I wore the VHS out. I had watched it so many times. So the movie came out in 1981. Bill Murray is in it. It's one of his first movies. Not his first, but one of his first movies. And in it, he, him and his buddy, played by Harold Ramis, oh, the wonderful, you know, late, great Harold Ramis, the two of them are two kind of like down and out losers, and they decide, you know what, their life isn't going any going well. We got to join the army. So they go and they join the army. And the thing, the funny thing with this movie is it's kind of, and people that have seen it know exactly what I'm talking about. It's almost like a two-part film. It's like two movies. There's the first half where they go and they decide to join the army and they go through basic training and they meet all these characters like Cruiser and Ox and like Francis Psycho and all these guys. And it's so great. And then the second half of the movie, they basically have to go into like Czechoslovakia and, mm -hmm. you know, and they kind of babysit this EM-50, this like armored assault vehicle and all this. The second half of the movie, ah, not great, but... The first half of the movie is so good. It's just so good. I've seen this movie a bazillion times. Ivan Reitman directed it. Um, he's he's not Canadian, but he's kind of Canadian. Uh, he came, he was born in Czechoslovakia, but him and his family came over as refugees like in the 50s. He sort of grew up here. He went to school here at uh, McMaster and started making movies here with another movie that's going to come up a little bit later in the show tonight. Um, and then he went on to make um, this movie, Stripes. He actually pitched this to the uh, to the studio. He said, hey, you know what? I got an idea for a movie. I want to do a Cheech and movie. I want to do a movie with Cheech and Chong where Cheech and Chong joined the army. And Cheech and Chong loved it. The, the studio loved it. They said, hey, we're going to do this. But Cheech and Chong wanted 100% creative control of the movie. So he's like, you know what? Okay, forget it. Let's get Harold Ramis to do it. He'll convince Bill Murray to do it. And that's what they did. But if you, anyone that's watched this movie, it is so good. And one of these days, I'm going to get you to watch it, Yancey, as one of our movies going back and forth. But number five for me is Stripes. I've heard Stripes mentioned multiple times, just like in random conversations with people. I know that's one of those movies that I have to see. I've just never actually got around to seeing it. Okay, so my number four is kind of a weird, I don't know, it's kind of a dumpy movie, but I've really enjoyed it a lot. It's almost embarrassing mentioning this as one of my most favorite rewatchable films of all time. It came out in 2004. It's a comedy, and the the slogan that they used on all of their like campaign, like their movie posters and stuff, not campaign, it's not a presidency, but uh, all their movie posters was Grab Life by the Ball. Uh, the movie stars Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, Christine Taylor, and Rip Torn, and it was written and directed by Ross and Marshall Thurber, and the movie is Dodgeball, a true under, underdog story. It is a dumb movie, Chris. I'm not going to try to talk you into it and say that it's <laughs> 
it's making some sort of like grand, you know, uh, metaphor for life or that there's anything from this that you can pull and, you know, and, and do introspection and think about your own life. This is a stupid ass movie that I really enjoy a lot. And I always have. I came out when I was like a sophomore or a freshman, even in high school. And I've just always thought it was one of the best sports comedy films I've ever seen. It's super funny. It's basically about like a, uh, a group of misfits who are trying to save their gym. It's a bunch of uh, like random guys and they're trying to save it from like this corporate behemoth that is led by Ben Stiller's character and their team is the Purple Cobras. I realize as I'm as I'm explaining this that this is a very stupid premise for a movie, but to be completely <laughs> honest with you, I appreciate stupid premises and I, I like scripts and plots that are very original, and this is one of them. It's it's too, it's a bunch of adults basically playing in a competitive dodgeball league. The dialogue is very, very stupid. The characters are stupid and over the top. It's very campy, Chris. Honestly, I think you would like it. I don't know if you've seen Dodgeball, but I have I think not. You enjoy it. It, it sounds like with these kind of goofy comedies that I like from the 80s, so it might work. Yep, it is very stupid. It is a dumb movie. Like, this is one of those movie recommendations where I really like it, but I kind of keep it just to myself because I don't want people to know that I like it. Right. But, I mean, since 2004, I've probably watched it 50 times. It's it's a, it's a really stupid, good movie. I'll watch it anytime it's on. Uh, so, Dodgeball, that's my number four. I like the fact that we have movies like this that we're like, we don't. We just want to keep this to ourselves. I don't want to let anybody know. And then come yep. on a podcast and mention <laughs> it to people. That's awesome. Okay, so, so my number four is also from 1981. We mentioned this before. 1981 is my favorite year for movies and stuff and that's mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark and I know you've seen this one I don't know what it was at the time when it came out I was 11 years old and I just lost my mind I just and this is in an era when Star Wars w- was out and obviously um, Empire Strikes Back had just come out the year before so like like I was you know caught up in big movies but it was something about Raiders of the Lost Ark that was so different for me I don't know what it was I loved it the first time I saw it, I just fell in love with the movie. And I just, because it's, to me, that's what movies are all about. They're like, it's total escapism and just like fun and adventure and all this. And for an 11-year-old watching that movie, oh my goodness. So I've watched that movie, I don't even know how many times since. I know it backwards and forwards, the sounds. The other, um, about, I think it was about a year ago, I was at a, um, we, we were at like this, uh, kind of like this flea market type thing my son and I and I found the comic book for Raiders of the Lost Ark and I was like oh my god I had that when I was a kid so I bought it and I remember coming home and him and I laying on the bed and we were reading it together and every time I turned the page it all came back I remembered all the panels of it and everything but the movie itself I love it so much so the thing is for the longest time, we had VHS. So I had a VHS tape of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I watched over and over. And the problem is with VHS is it's tape, so it wears down over time, as you know. And like the quality mm-hmm. wasn't very good, right? But I would watch it over and over and over and over and over again. And so that, to me, for the longest time, that was Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then for Christmas two years ago, my wife said, what do you want for Christmas? I said, I want this like you know, ex- extended DVD version with all the bells and whistles of Raiders of Lost Ark. That's what I want on DVD. So she's like, okay, so she got it for me. And and I said, but you got to watch it with me. So I got it and I remember putting it in and just being blown away because I was so used to that poor quality deteriorated VHS for years. Right. <laughs> I watched it on DVD and I never knew it looked so good. I just was blown away. That movie, I can watch it. I've watched it a hundred times and I could watch it a hundred more times. And the good news is I've had my son watch it. He's eight and he loves it as much as I did. So he, every time that we get like a boys night together, we're going, hey, son, what do you want to watch? He's like, Raiders Lost Ark. Awesome. We watch it over and over and over again. So I'm passing it on to the next generation. That's my number four. What do you got for three? 
Great pick, by the way. Oh, I great love pick. It. I haven't seen it nearly as much as you have, but oh. I love that movie completely. It's been a huge part of um, my life. As it should be. It's a good movie. Yeah. I, I I can't even imagine having like a blockbuster come out like that. I guess like the parallel for me would be like Jurassic Park. When Jurassic yeah. Park came out, yeah. I was like, oh my god, my life has changed. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I'll never be the same kind yeah. of thing. But that's what this movie was for me. You know, that's awesome. Loved it. That is very awesome. All right, so number what is it? Three. Number, number three, three for yeah. me. What do you got? Um, it's a movie that we've talked about on this podcast before. Um, I think you were actually a little down on it, and I think you admitted to having a little bit of a bias because it won Best Picture that year, and you thought that it it kind of uh, stole the show from another movie that should have won it. Um, and it's Forrest Gump. I love Forrest Gump so much, and I know this is going to make you like cringe, but I mean, Tom Hanks is absolutely phenomenal in this. But what doesn't really get talked about with with Forrest Gump is just how strong all the supporting cast is. I mean, Robin Wright as Jenny is one of the best actresses I've seen in the last 25 years. I and by the way, like I have like this we didn't mention her on our celebrity crushes episode. I probably should have. That was like a glaring omission on my part, but I think Robin Wright Robin Wright is one of the most talented just naturally beautiful like gifted actresses of our time i think she's absolutely phenomenal um but just like gary sinise as lieutenant dan and sally field and you know like a young Haley joel osmond before he does the sixth sense like this whole movie it, it takes so many legs like he's a professional football player and he mows lawns and he you know he's obviously he goes to vietnam and he's a, a shrimp you know sailor like there's just so many different things this you know he's a professional ping pong player and he runs across the country as like a marathoner there's just so many different elements the fact that like republicans identify this as like a republican ideology type film and liberals also claim this as their own too it's like one of those movies where it, there's this dichotomy of of you know multiple parties kind of claiming this as their own and like speaking to their ideals and i think that just is a testament to the filmmaking itself it's just a really good movie it's always nice to have one in the background there's so many things going on and i i always watch it every time it's on so that's my number three is forrest gump yeah no it's a good one and like i said you know you mentioned like how i was kind of down on or whatever in a past episode the only thing that got me about that movie was in 1994 when it was nominated for best picture it was up against pulp fiction four weddings and a funeral the Shawshank Redemption and Quiz Show. And I personally felt that two of those other films were better than Forrest Gump, more worthy. I thought The Shawshank Redemption was better, and I thought Pulp Fiction should have been the best picture that year. That's the only thing I had, I guess. But I mean, uh, Forrest Gump's a good movie. So good on you. Okay, so my number three, this is a funny one, because I, men I mentioned to my wife that I was going to do this show. And she's like, hey, what's, what's your topic? I said, rewatchable movies, movies I can watch over and over and over again. She's like, oh, and she mentioned this title. She's like, you got to mention this, because it's one of your favorites. And it may be a bit of a surprise, because I think it's kind of considered to be you know kind of a quote-unquote chick flick you know what i mean not that that's a bad thing but you know what i mean there's movies that that you know you tend to think you know girls like better than guys like better you know and this kind of thing this has kind of always been um i guess a quote-unquote chick flick but i've always loved it and that's 16 candles and it came out in 84 it actually was made um right around the same time as john john hughes obviously directed he directed it and and and, and produced a movie right around the same time as he did breakfast club um I absolutely love this movie. It is so funny. It has something for everybody in it. It's funny. There, you know, there, there's drama in it too. And you talk about being able to watch it over and over and over again and quote it and Farmer Ted and the panties and, you know, driving the Porsche and all. I just, I love it. Long Duck Dong is one of my favorite incidental characters of any movie ever. <laughs> I absolutely love this movie. I could watch it a zillion times and getting in Watanabe as Long Duck Dong. Every time I watch it, I laugh. Every single time I watch it, I laugh. His just his mannerism—he's so funny. Him—he fits in more than she does, and it's just—I don't know. I just love the movie. It's fantastic. Sixteen Candles from 1984 is my number three most rewatchable movie of all time. What do you got for number two? Very nice. 
I've never seen 16 Candles. Oh my goodness. I was going to ask you that next if you've actually (laughs) seen it. I'll get you to watch it sometime, dude. And I think hopefully, like, the thing is, I think the movie holds up because John Hughes had had just, just had the magic touch. But obviously some of the music and the clothes and stuff like that don't. It's very dated that way. But I do think overall as a film, the movie holds up. So we're going to have to, I'll have to get you to watch it sometime and see if it does. You might come back and say, oh man, this movie, you know, it's too much. It's 80s, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think mm-hmm. so. I think it really does hold up. So uh, we'll, we'll figure that out one of these days. But uh, anyway, so on to your number two. What do you got? Uh, number two for me, speaking of 80s movies, um, you might be surprised, but this maybe not, but uh, definitely one of the most rewatchable films of all time. My wa- my wife, my mother, same thing, I guess, depending on who you ask. My <laughs> my mother owned this VHS when we were kids, and it's it's one of those movies that's always stayed with me. I hope it's important to you, too, because I, I absolutely love this film, and it's The Goonies. So oh, as a kid... I can't yep. believe you as a millennial are yes. liking this, because, I mean, that's that's like ultimate Gen X movies that there is. Yeah, the it, and good it's a fantastic you. film. Oh, it yes. really is a good movie. Yes, yeah, good for me. Yeah, Obviously, it came out in 1985. Yes, and I actually um, saw that movie in the movie theater when it came out. Did you really? You're I so old, Chris. I went on a date with a girl, and she was mad at me, and she never would talk to me again because she's like, "You you took me to a movie to see a bunch of kids running around in caves. That's I'll never go out with you again." <laughs> True story. Uh, I I remember I uh, <laughs> the first time I ever took a girl to a movie theater for a date. I took a friend of mine from high school who I liked, and we went and seen Happy Feet, the movie about penguins. <laughs> oh yes, yes, the animated film. Yeah. She loved it, but uh, it, it didn't work out between us. There wasn't a love connection, but I still wish her the best. I guess. Oh, wow. um, but anyways, so the Goonies, I hemmed and hawed. I, I went back and forth between uh, this and and Aladdin because for me, the animated film I think that I watched the most, as far as like you know Disney animated classics, was Aladdin. Um, you know, Robin Williams is just fantastic, and and the whole movie I just think is super original. Where a lot of people gravitated towards a lot of the other ones, like Beauty and the Beast and Lion King and Sleeping Beauty. You know, those types of films. I loved Aladdin. That was it. I I, I want to give it as my honorable mention just because I I watched it so so many times. But I went with the Goonies here just because I think it's it's one of those films where it still holds up really well as an adult. You know what I mean? Like, sure, there's gonna oh, be yeah. movies that are bad movies that you watched a lot when you were a kid. But it really says a lot about the content of the film if you're still able to watch it as an adult and still be entertained. And I think there's there's a lot of magic in The Goonies. Um, it captures a lot of just like the exploration, like the excitement and curiosity that my brother and I had as kids. Like we used to do stuff like that. We used to, you know, create these fictitious scenarios and use our imagination and build forts and go exploring. And um, that's one of like the great triumphs, I think, of my mom and dad's job parenting us as kids is like they forced us to be imaginative and like you know, figure out ways to entertain entertain ourselves just as kids. You know what I mean? We didn't have Xboxes and we didn't have TVs in our rooms. Like we were forced to go outside and it always makes me think about this film. It's just, um, if there are any films that make me feel super, super nostalgic, it's The Goonies. And like I said, anytime it's on, it's super rewatchable. If you guys haven't seen it, I honestly don't know where you've been for the last, what, 30 years, but um, give it a chance. It's honestly a fantastic film. So The Goonies, my number two. Oh, man, I like that. Now, it's, I'm glad that you actually mentioned something because you brought up the idea of a movie that you can like as a kid and also like as an adult. And that's really, really important, right? And I think that's that, that's a, right. definitely important in my number two, which is Meatballs. It's from 1979. And because it was one of those movies that, okay, so I've mentioned before the comedies that I like from the 70s and 80s. And they're usually R-rated comedies because for the most part, that's what they made. Back in those days, they made R-rated comedies, right? And we mentioned before how they've kind of gone the way of the dinosaur. But Meatballs is a little bit different because it kind of falls into that category of those 70s and 80s kind of classic comedies. 
but it's a PG movie. And it's actually okay for kids. I, I've debated whether or not I can let my son watch it. He's only eight. I don't know if he's there yet. My wife would probably kill me. Because there's a couple of like little just kind of rude jokes in it and stuff. Nothing like that's bad. You know, like I can say it's PG. But when I was a kid, I first saw it when I was nine. And the thing was then then it came on TV and I got to watch it over and over again. And then I got it on VHS, wore it out. Got another VHS, almost wore it out. I mm-hmm. I don't know for, for sure. Definitely this is, this is number two on my list for a reason because it would definitely be the sec- the movie that I have seen the second most. Number one being the most, and we'll get to that one in a second. But I've definitely seen Meatballs more than any of the other movies on my list other than my number one. And the thing is, so it was made by Ivan Reitman. And Ivan Reitman, like as I mentioned him earlier, he, you know, he directed Stripes. Before that, he did this. This was his first movie. So he had already, he had produced Animal House in 78. But in 79, he was able to direct his own movie. So he got to direct this movie. And they shot it up here in Canada. They shot it not that far from Barrie. They shot it over in a place called Halliburton. And, and the idea is it's summer camp. It's kids go to summer camp and Bill Murray is in it and he plays Tripper. He's like, you know, one of the one of the um, counselors. And then he has all these counselors in training and stuff like that. And so like I say, it's almost, it's almost, a couple rude parts almost appropriate for kids so as a kid I liked it as an adult I still liked it and the funny thing was just as a piece of trivia with the movie I remember when they when they made the movie they didn't know if they could get Bill Murray to do it he had just gotten Saturday Night Live you know so he he started to get to be a big name for himself and they didn't even know if he was going to show up the very first day of shooting was the opening scene when all the kids show up in buses and they didn't even know if he was going to make it there and all of a sudden at the last minute he shows up and he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and shorts and they just started to shoot the movie and the opening scene is him in those um, shorts and Hawaiian shirt that was what he was wearing when he got there and it's just it's, it's a Canadian movie funny oh man I could watch it over and over again and I'm just almost counting down the days until I can get my son to watch this movie and hopefully he's going to enjoy it as much as I did and that's Meatballs so on to your number one Meatballs, meatballs. Uh, Chris I don't even think I've ever even heard of that movie before I love this movie to death love 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 this movie and there's Canadian actors in it Chris Makepeace was in it um, Harvey Atkin and Sarah Targoff and people like Matt Craven but one of the cool things was is they shot it in Halliburton and even when they did some of the scenes at the Kmart there and even with the thing was the, the, the camp that they shot it at was actually a working camp and it was actually like there were kids there so all the extras in the movie were just all kids that were at the camp and some of the locals were in it and stuff like oh the movie I'm telling you look it up and and check it out. And the other thing too is is another tie into an old show is there's a scene in it where they go they they, they have a dance where the counselors all have a dance and they're playing mm-hmm. the song "Making It" by David Naughton that I remember I said to you it was like on my guilty pleasures of one of my favorite songs. <laughs> "Making It" is in this movie and they're dancing to it and ah, uh, Meatballs is awesome. And look it up online, see what you can find out about it, and uh, and I'll get you to watch it one of these days for the show. A, a potential movie review, I imagine. Oh, for sure, it's awesome. It's a great movie. All right, meatballs. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so number one for me is a film from 1999. Um, I've mentioned it before in the past. It is a drama. It's a, its runtime is 139 minutes long, and it's about an insomniac office worker looking for a way to change his life. He crosses paths with a devil may care soap maker who forms an underground fight club. So of course, I'm talking about Fight Club, one of the greatest movies of the last 50 years, easily. Um, it wasn't super heralded whenever it first came out in theaters, but like many of the movies that I gravitate towards, it did develop a cult following. Uh, and especially over the last few years, it's become sort of like an internet phenomenon, like people trying to figure, you know, what's going on with it. It's based off the novel by Chuck Palahniuk, 
who my wife uh, owns, I think, all of his books or most of his books. And whenever she and I first got married, we consolidated our, our book libraries into one. And I slowly started reading all of her Polonic novels, one after the other. Um, as an aside, Invisible Monsters is an axe. You know, it's incredible as far as, you know, American literature goes. Obviously, check it out if you guys have time and you're just looking for something to do. But um, Fight Club is a very, very cool movie. It stars Brad Pitt. It has Edward Norton, uh, Helen Bonham Carter. The acting is amazing in it. The cinematography is amazing. How it deals with mental illness and insomnia, which I don't know if I've mentioned this in the show before, Chris, but interject if I have. But I used to have really, really bad insomnia uh, for almost three years to where I would go days sometimes without sleeping, literally days. I think the most I'd, I'd ever, I'd ever stayed awake at one time was like three and a half days or something. And, wow. um, I'm six foot one whenever I was, I think 19 to you're 21. You're six one. I didn't know you were six one. That's so, that's yeah. cool. so funny enough. People listen to this like, Oh, well, Chris and Yancey must know each other. I've, we've never met in person we've never before. Met personally. Yeah. But I, you know, just, I know your picture and stuff like that. I know what you look like. Um, and we've Skyped together, but I, I never would have guessed you were six one. Wow. You're really yep. tall. Yep. So I'm, I'm six one, and whenever I was, like I said, between like 19 to 21, I weighed about 135 pounds. Um, like my my sleep habits were really really bad. You know, just like my diet was bad, everything like that. I worked overnight for, uh, you know, for the company that I worked for then. So like everything was messed up with me internally. And whenever I watched this movie, I didn't watch it when it first came out in 1999. It was one of those things where I watched it much later on Netflix, and this movie resonated with me. Uh, unlike any other movie I'd seen up to that point, simply because I was dealing with insomnia very, very badly, and against all all types of, of reason, and, and and you know, seeing people and getting professional opinions, I could not figure out why I was not sleeping, and it really affected me a lot. And at, just to put in perspective, Chris, my wife and I got married when we were 21 years old, right? I'm 28 now. Uh, at the time we got married, I was 135 pounds. I'm now 220. So, my wife basically like has almost twice as much husband as she did when we first got married. But uh, the point of making, that's a long aside, but I, I had a lot of physical problems that were keeping me from going to sleep. And this whole movie centers around insomnia and the effects that it has on your brain. I'm not saying that I experienced some of these things nearly to the same effect that Edward Norton's character did in this movie. Um, but there were times where I was legitimately concerned for my safety. I didn't know what day it was, what year it was, you know, like I, connections and conversations that I had with people were lost almost as quickly as they were developed. Like it was a really dark point in my life because it was a dark time and something that I struggled with. But um, it's kind of like a, a friendly reminder of like, hey, be aware of yourself and take care of yourself because otherwise like this is like the worst case scenario that can happen to you is what happened in Fight Club. It's a fantastic movie. Like I said, it's shot very, very well. Um, it's just a, a, an incredibly original theme that I don't really see being copied a whole lot because it's difficult to do a movie like this, but super rewatchable. I've watched it multiple, multiple times, dozens of times since I was 21. And uh, it just, it's still, it has a lot of uh, meaning and it has a lot of heart. So that's my number one is Fight Club. I could interchange it with The Matrix. But like I said, I've beat that horse more than enough. So uh, Fight Club's going to be my number one today. Wow. So you, you at one point weighed 135 pounds. We have something in common because my left side weighs 135 pounds. <laughs> Unfortunately, my right side weighs 135 pounds too. So there's that. Cheers to that. Yeah. So it's all good. Okay. So my number one, uh, I mentioned this obviously on the podcast before. When I was seven years old, my uncle took me to the movie theater in 1977 to see what was the greatest um, experience I ever had in a movie theater and I have continued to watch this movie over and over and over and over again the rest of my life. It is the most watched movie that I've ever seen. I've watched it more than any other movie. I will continue to watch it more than any other movie and that is Star Wars 
And by the way, it's not episode four. It's not a new friggin' hope. It is Star Wars. That's the name of the movie. It's Star Wars from 1977. Like I say, I ha- I had I had it on VHS. I wore it out. I wore it out. I now have it on DVD. I'm gonna wear that sucker out too. I watch this movie all the time. I mentioned to you that I actually have some alone time this weekend. I have the family gone. I can you can bet at some point I will be watching Star Wars at some point this weekend. I'll be two hours aside and watch it. It's just there's something about it that is unbelievably magical. It takes me to a different place, obviously. Every time I watch it, it takes me to a different world. I love, love, love Star Wars. Um, I've gotten my son into watching it. He absolutely loves it too. There's something magical about this movie. There's something very different about this movie that makes it different than any other film. It is a lot of fun to watch this movie. It really, really is. And it's complete escapism. It's what movies are all about. This movie is what movies are all about. And that's why I can watch it over and over again. I can watch it a billion times and I would never, ever ever get sick of it. And, you know, we've heard people say before, hey, have you ever had to go to a desert island and you had to take one movie with you? No question. Star Wars is going with me, man. It's going. You know what, Chris? I, so I, I did a lot of work thinking about my movies mm-hmm. and I wanted it to be movies that I have legitimately watched a lot, right? right. So that doesn't mean that I'm making a list of my five favorite movies. No, nope, nope, exa- and that's not, yeah, movies. that's not what the idea yeah. was, right? So this is just most rewatchable movies. Yeah. And you know what? I, I thought about Star Wars a lot and how I was going to handle it because, you know, there are so many movies that are like the right choice. We always talk about like picking like the obvious chalk, you know, right. movie that people want us to say versus, you know, something that we want to do for ourselves. And like I just couldn't figure out what I want to do with Star Wars because, Chris, listen, this is kind of like a weird point that I'm making. But um, go for it. I never grew up like super wealthy and, you know. In my early teens and late teens, whenever I was living on my own and in my early 20s, I was never what you would consider a a traditional wealthy person, right? I didn't have a ton of expendable income. But one thing I could do was I could buy a movie, I could buy a VHS, or I could buy a DVD, and I could watch it over and over again. And it almost like supplanted um, – you know, the activities that other people would do that maybe had a little bit more money than I did. Like, yeah, I, I might be, you know, broke, but I can watch movies. You know, I can watch a movie once and I can watch, you know, I can buy the VHS box set for Star Wars and I can watch it until the tapes don't work no more. And I, I've literally done that multiple points in my life where like Star Wars is one of those movies where I'm not saying I don't enjoy it because I love it. But it was one of those things where, where it was almost like a... Uh, it was almost like a crutch, almost like a comfort food, you know, but it was like, I don't have money to do anything else, so I'm going to spend this time and I'm just going to have Star Wars on in the background. Chris, I've spent multiple Saturdays just like watching Star Wars marathons just because I didn't have money to do anything else. You know what I mean? Like, yep. so like Star Wars in a way kind of like propped me up and like it kind of like got me through like really tough like financial points in my life where, you know, money was really, really tight. And, you know, I can buy, like I said, I can buy a box set of Star Wars movies and just watch Star Wars and I'll always be entertained. It never loses that rewatchability and never stops being interesting and, you know, and visually and aesthetically pleasing. And that's that's kind of the relationship I've had with Star Wars. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I knew you would bring it up. So I, I didn't mention it myself, but we got to give it to Star Wars, man. Like, oh, yeah, I think think about how many millions of people still watch Star Wars all the time. You know, what I mean, like the franchise has been around for ever it seems like and it still has just as much clout culturally as it did back then that's i mean that's really a testament to just how amazing the franchise is well and as i mentioned before the prequels don't exist okay they just don't exist in my world <laughs> but and, i mean the force awakens was good and i'm really looking forward so is my son my son and i are looking forward to december to go see the last jedi and all that but nothing but nothing comes close to Star Wars. Star Wars was the first, it's the original, and it is and always will be the best. Anyway, are you ready now to have some 
Fun with Yancey. Okay, so here we go. Oh, you know what I decided to do? So I, I was thinking about, you know, one of the things that we sort of associate with rewatchable movies are the quotes, right? So I thought, right. what better way to have some fun with Yancey than for us to focus on some movie quotes? So now these are all going to be movie quotes from from very rewatchable movies, well-known movies. There's not going to be any surprises here. And I thought we would kind of go back to our old crutch that we always go back to and we'll play a, a round of the winner's circle of $100,000 Pyramid. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just mention a bunch of quotes, and all you have to do is name the movie. Can you do that, Yancey? It seems easy enough, but I doubt I'll get all of them correct. (laughs) I will list the quotes, you name the movie, go. It's not your job to be as confused as Nigel. Dozens of people spontaneously combust each year. It's just not widely reported. He died Mm. in a bizarre gardening accident. Oh, airplane. You can't really dust for vomit. Sandwich. Spinal Tap. Yeah! This is Spinal Tap. Sorry. I I knew I've seen it because I wrote that same gardening quote down. (laughs) We better teach this kid some control before he kills somebody. He's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. Major League. Yeah! (laughs) I'm not left-handed either. As you wish. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Is this a Princess Bride? Yes, it is. I've listened to the movie once. Good movie, though. There's really nothing like a shorn scrotum. It's breathtaking. I'm not actually quoting a movie, Yancey. I'm just making an observation. Oh, my, my, my. (laughs) 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 Only sailors use condoms, baby. An evil petting zoo? We hold the world ransom for one million dollars. I didn't spend six years in evil medical school to be called Mr. Swedish made penis enlargers and me. This sort of thing are my bag, baby. I don't know, Chris. Uh, uh, Well, pass. The light was yellow, sir. They don't have my address. I falsified my renewal. I put down 1060 West Addison. I hate Illinois Nazis. Four fried chickens and a Coke. The day I get out of prison, oh, this... my own brother picks me up in a police car. This is the Blues Brothers. Yes, it is. Yes, thank you. Yes. Right. My dad loves that movie. Rocky Road? The Goonies. Yay! Well, you well got done. almost all of them. The one you missed. You didn't get Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. The Evil Petting Zoo, the $1 million, all that stuff. Oh, Nancy, I'm disappointed. Have you <laughs> have you seen the original Austin Powers movie? I have. I've seen multiple Austin Powers movies. I've seen, like, Goldmember and The Spy Who Shagged Me. I, I think I've seen all of them at some point. It was the original one. It was the one that we were going for. But uh, you did good. You got five yeah. out of six. So you got one, two, three. You got, like, 1250 bucks. So good for you. It, well, so your check's in the mail. It's better than I normally do, Chris, if no, we're going to be completely honest. No, you did good. And the movie was from 97, so you were only like 10 when it came out. So 
you know, well, good for you. Okay, so it's time to flip things over now. Next week, we're going to go back to watching movies, and it's going to be your turn to nominate a film for us to watch. So what movie would you like me to watch and come back next week? What millennial film uh, would you like me to, to watch and come back and, and talk about next week? So I don't know if this would be characterized as a millennial film. That's okay. It's a few years old. Um, yeah, I watched right. this movie in theaters multiple times, more than I've I've watched any other movie in theaters. Like I went multiple times to see it in theaters. It's a, It came out in 2014 as a science fiction film. It stars Matthew McConaughey, and it is Interstellar. So I want you to watch Interstellar. You me. have mentioned Interstellar numerous times on the show, and it's kind of fallen back into your science fiction yep. you know, genre that you love so much. You've mentioned Interstellar multiple times. You mentioned it as you like this, the the score of the film or the soundtrack. You like oh, you like the movie all this, and you want to know something? I have never seen Interstellar. I know that's and you, and you need to and you need to Chris Blasphemous. So that's really good. So I'm too busy watching Meatballs twenty one hundred times to watch anything <laughs> you know afterward. So no, it's all good. I will watch Interstellar. Um, I'll get my wife to watch it with me and see how much we enjoy it. And I'll come back uh, next week and we will discuss Interstellar. How does that sound? Sounds perfect, man. All right. Well, once again, thank you to everybody out there that took time to nominate us for the podcast awards. That's just fantastic. Yancy and I are over the moon about this. The fact that we got nominated is just wonderful. We think that's great. If you'd like to reach out to us, you know on Twitter, we'll always get back to you on there, at McBrian or at Yancy Eaton, or head over to popgoesyourworld.com. All our contact information is on there. You can contact us through the website, send us an email, whatever you like. Until next time, this is Chris McBrian for Yancy Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 